0: With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select Campus events, while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears.
1: AT and T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews.
3: From the Berkshires to the sound, from wherever you live in MLB America, this is Inside the Parker. You give us 22 minutes and we'll give you the scoop on Major League Baseball. Now here's Baseball Hall of Fame voter number 103, Rob Parker.
1: Welcome into the Inside the Parker podcast. I'm Rob Parker, your host. Coming up on the show, former Major League manager... Bo Porter stops by. We'll talk about the surging Nationals. Plus, we'll also talk to New York Post baseball columnist Ken Davidoff with the big trade deadline approaching. That and much more coming up. Let's go.
3: Better up. up. To lead off, it's getting robbed. And keep him up. Rob's hot take on the three biggest stories in Major League Baseball. Number one. Today is the trading deadline in
1: Major League Baseball. The drop-dead date this year, July 31st, 4 p.m. Eastern. This is it. In years gone by, you were able to still uh, add to your team through the waiver wire and a couple other opportunities to get guys on your roster in time for the postseason. Not anymore. This is it. So we have to think that there's going to be a lot of action uh, today as you listen to this podcast because teams have to firm up their rosters, add stars, uh, add players that they think are going to be able to put them over the top. And the big player out there, is supposedly the Houston Astros. They are supposedly in on everybody as far as adding a top-notch starter. There's talk about Wheeler, uh, Bauer, Bumgarner, and Syndergaard, that that they're in on all of these guys, and are trying to land a big pitcher. It's just like a few years ago when they got Justin Verlander, and they made a trade, and they helped. Uh, he helped them win a World Series. So they look at they're looking to make that happen again. I still look back at that a couple years ago when the Dodgers needed a starter, and so did the Astros. The Dodgers settled for you, uh, Darvish. And the Astros got Justin Verlander. And Verlander was the one that paid dividends, was the reason why the Astros won. You Darvish uh, wasn't that good. And I always think back to that. Did the Dodgers take you Darvish because of the contract situation and because he didn't have any more years left, so he's basically a rental and they, didn't, they weren't stuck with him after the season, whereas Verlander had two more years left and maybe the Dodgers didn't want to pay the rest of that contract and be saddled with them. Astros, it has paid off for them going, taking Verlander, not worrying about the money situation. And since then, Verlander's gotten another extension. So Verlander has really worked out. You shouldn't be afraid of grabbing a pitcher or grabbing a player, even if they have money, if they're really going to put you over the top and give you that honest shot to win a championship. I say go for it. Windows are small in baseball. You can't think about four-year plans, five-year plans. There's no such thing. If you have a chance to win and can add a top-notch player, even if it might cost you a little dough, I say make that move. Number two. What are the New York Metropolitans? That's right. What are the New York Mets doing? I do not understand. They went out and traded for Marcus Stroman. I like the move. I like Marcus Stroman. But I thought they were going to be sellers, not buyers. They also traded Vargas to the Phillies, which was another surprise. What are they doing there? I know as of Tuesday, they were only five games out of the wild card race. But I'm sorry. The Mets feel like they're out, not that they're in. And – also, the Mets supposedly are going to be willing to trade either Wheeler or, or Syndergaard. So they're willing to trade some of their pitchers. So I don't, I don't understand really where they're headed. They made a lot of moves in the offseason. Even got uh, Robinson Cano hoping for a change of scenery. They made some real big moves that people said, wow, the Mets are trying something. And it really hasn't worked out. So I am surprised that the Mets so far have been buyers and uh, maybe come the trade deadline today by 4 o'clock Eastern, they will be buyers, I mean be sellers, and moving people and realizing that they really don't have a shot to win and it doesn't make sense to take on more players if you're not legitimately... In the mix. So I am confused by the New York Mets. Don't know what they're doing. Yes, on paper, they're still in the race. But you know what, Mets? I'm not buying you. I think you should be sellers.
3: Number three.
1: I don't know about you, but Hun Jin Ryu and Max Scherzer are locked in on a national side young award winning pace those two are vying. I know everybody in the National League have talked all year about Cody Bellinger, Christian Yelich for National League MVP. That was the buzz for all the year. And now people are starting to finally take a look at the Cy Young and where that is. And where you is 11 and 2. This was as of Tuesday with a 1.74 ERA. He has been spectacular for the Dodgers. Scherzer's nine and five as of Tuesday with a two four one ERA. So you say, wait a minute, how can it be that close? How can these guys be battling it out? But in reality, there's some other numbers you got to look at a little closer. Ryu has a WHIP of .96. Scherzer .99. So the whips are almost identical, very very close. And when it comes to strikeouts, Scherzer is killing Rayu. 189 to 116. This will be interesting, especially since the Nationals are now playing red hot baseball. They're in the mix to make the postseason, maybe even win the National League East. Rayu and the Dodgers are coasting It'll be interesting to see how they finish the last two months of the regular season. So there's a battle for Cy Young, and uh, I'm paying attention, and so should you.
3: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe
0: where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
1: at and connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news
4: Here comes the big interview. Listen and learn.
5: Oh, it's so
1: good. All right, let's welcome into the podcast former Major League Manager Bo Porter, who is now uh, working pre- and post-game with the Washington Nationals. Bo, welcome to the podcast. Appreciate it.
5: Well, Rob, thank you for having me. It's an honor and pleasure to join you on the podcast. Well, Bo, let's get started. I mean, obviously,
1: you were a manager with the Astros in 2013, 2014. So where are you? Where are you? I mean, I I get the analytics part of it, and they want these guys who are analytic friendly. But I do have a problem, Bo. When I saw the Dodgers going to Fenway Park, and their top four home run hitters sat on the bench. Because they didn't fit the analytical uh, part that they had mapped out for the team. And they wind up losing the World Series to the Red Sox. But how do you bench your top four home run hitters in Fenway Park?
5: Well, I think that um, I'll say this as far as analytics go. I think there is a place where the baseball eye and analytics need to be married. And there are times where the analytics, I believe, can help you when you're in the process of making decisions. But once the ball is in play or once you get into the game, there there, there, are, there are times where your baseball acronym or your ability to understand people, because at the end of the day, we can look at all the numbers in the world, but the game is being played by people. And people change day-to-day, pitch-to-pitch, inning-to-inning. What the numbers may have told you at 2 o'clock, that person may be a different person at 9 o'clock. And you have to be able to devour that information, and you have to be able to make those decisions that put your team in the best position, you know, to, to, to win the game that day or to be successful or put your players in position to be successful. But I will speak to the point that you made. You know, when you think about having 100 home runs sitting on your bench and a given World Series, obviously you've gotten to that point because of the production of those players. You've also gotten to that point because of the production of whoever you decide to put in those players' place. I would, I would venture to believe that those players were part of your success. So if you're not going against what got you to the dance and then you end up losing in that fashion, that's the way you played the whole year. So, I mean, I... Again, I, I have tremendous respect for Dave Roberts. He's one of my best friends in the game. Yeah, I think he's one of the best managers in the game as well. So I'm not going to sit here and question his lineup construction or his decision. I think as the organization decisions are made based on all the information that they have about their 25 players.
1: Bo, would you like to manage again?
5: I would love the opportunity to manage again. I, I think that was part of the reason why I decided to get back into the day-to-day of baseball. And when I, when I take, took a look at, you know, my two years in Houston, I think it's pretty well-spoken well, well spoken and evident that, you know, the organization went through a complete teardown, and I happen to be the person that was charged with, with leading that organization on the field doing that teardown. Um, the wins and losses speak for itself as far as the talent pool that was assembled, but I would love the opportunity to manage again. And, and, and I would say this, I learned a lot of things going through that process. Jeff Lunau and I, we've had a chance to visit, you know, over the course of the last few years. I mean, there are some things that I know that I would do differently understanding all the things that I understand now. And I've been on record of saying this. I actually wish I would have taken this meteor route before I sat in the manager's chair. I think it's allowed me, you know, the experience I had in Atlanta in the front office, it's allowed me to see the game through a number of lenses that, us frankly put, I didn't have that experience the first time I sat in the manager's chair.
1: Tell me about the Nationals. They've made an incredible. They look like they were on the brink of collapse and things were going to be really bad. And all of a sudden, they turned it on, started winning, second in the NL East. Uh, look at their road record. They're even at uh, 500, which is as of Tuesday. So uh, what has been the big turnaround? Obviously, they have pitching, but what's what's done the job?
5: Well, the first, thing I, the first thing I will do, I will give credit to Dave Martinez and his entire staff. Being around this team each and every day, and when you are picked to win by arguably majority of the media, pick the Nationals to win the East and make a deep run into the playoffs, if not, some pick them to go to the World Series. And to have the first 50 games go the way they went and to see Dave Martinez stay as positive as he stayed, the coaching staff stay as positive as they stayed, there were some factors that weighed into that. A lot of it had to do with, one, you know, they lost some key players. Trey Turner was out. Anthony Rendon missed time. Juan Soto missed time. Ron Zimmerman was out. So when you start to look at having your top, you know, five guys in your lineup or four of the top five guys in your lineup miss considerable amount of time, you know, that's going to play a role in your overall record. But, you know, as we all know, no one's going to feel sorry for you. And as the great Bill Parcells say, your record is what your record said it is. These guys basically rallied together. They stayed positive. I think that the schedule makers basically smiled down on this team. And over the course of the next 50 games, we, we were able to run off a 35-15 and 15 clip. And you look up and we we're right back in the thick of this race. But I'll tell you, it starts with the starting pitching. Um, when you look at the big three at the top of this rotation with Max, Strauss, and Corbin, you can put that three up against anybody in baseball, and I think they will hold their own. Anthony Rendon has become a legitimate MVP candidate, and he's arguably you know one of the best third bases, if not – best third baseman in all of baseball, and I just think it's a deep lineup. When you look up and down the lineup, you know, you have Soto and Rendon in the middle, but you got Speed at the top with Trey Turner and Adam Eaton, and then you have some great complementary players as you go down the lineup with, you know, Matt Adams and Howie Kendrick and Brian Dozier and Kurt Suzuki and Jan Gomes. It's a bunch of guys that can actually hurt you, so when you look at having you know, those guys hitting six, seven, eight, and not forget about Rick Robles, who's putting together an outstanding rookie season as well.
1: Bo man, thank you so much for your insight and I appreciated his name. Bo Porter, former Major League Manager, and now of course with the uh Nationals pre and post game show on television. Thank you so much, Bo. Best of luck.
5: Thank you, Rob. Thank you for having me
1: on.
3: It's time for the Pocket Protector Central. The analytic numbers you need to know. Well, maybe.
1: FS1's Anthony Masterson is his name. BS Analytics is his game. What you got for us, Anthony?
6: Hi, right, Rob. A common stat of the new school reads like a kind of T. No, not BOBA, but WOBA, or weighted on-base average. It's a rate stat that credits hitters based on each outcome with extra credit being served to hitters who knock more extra base hits. Now, WOBA attempts to be a catch-all stat based on one simple premise that gets lost in normal batting average that all hits are not created equal. On-base percentage doesn't differentiate between a single and a double, while slugging percentage ignores all other ways of reaching base besides base hits. Since those are the two components of OPS, that number doesn't quite give you the best representation of a player's run-producing ability. Enter WOBA. The beauty of this stat is that it paints a better picture of how the batter reached base, not just if he reached base, thus giving more value to a player who records a high number of extra base hits rather than one who walks a lot. The metric is always scaled to the league average OBP, so an average player puts up a WOBA around 320. This season, Christian Yelich leads all of baseball with a WOBA of 453, thanks to his pension for hitting home runs, a league-leading 36, and his 60 extra base hits, putting him in the top five in the league. No surprise, Yelich followed by Trout and Bellinger on the WOBA leaderboard. So OPS can get you in the same ballpark, but wOBA tells a more accurate story of run production.
1: Anthony, I remember her downtown, Julie Brown on MTV. WOBA, WOBA, WOBA. And
3: whoop it up. That ball
7: is.
3: It was a big week in the big leagues.
7: Who's a? Who's a? I don't believe it.
3: My oh my! Is it foul or is it fair? And now, here's ShadowLeague.com MLB insider, J.R. Gamble. Indians
1: pitcher Trevor Bauer, in a tantrum, threw the ball over the center field fence. Is that behavior, Jr., foul or fair for a major leaguer?
7: Fair. It's a fair ball. It's definitely nothing new to baseball. But in this social media age, everything is blown out of proportion and people act as if something is happening for the first time in history. This often happens after a pitcher, usually a closer, spits the bit, blows the save, and then gets yanked. It's a display of emotion. It means he cares. The first pitcher I saw do it was Dave Rigetti back in 86 when he blew back-to-back saves with the Yankees. Um, nasty boy Rob Dibble did it in 91. Check the facts. Remember D-back's close-up, Young Hung Kim who melted down in the 2001 World Series in games four and five? Well, in 2002, he tossed the ball over the wall as a celebration after saving a game, an exorcism of past demons, if you will. Carlos Sembrano threw a ball into the outfield, and Fernando Rodney airmailed one into the press box after a win in 2009. So Trevor Bauer's tantrum isn't unusual to the game. It's actually a common method. Is it childish, maybe? But baseball is a kid's game. It's just played by men. To me, chucking the ball over the fence is just one of baseball's go-to moves for frustrated pitchers. Just as impressive as a batter breaking a bat over his leg after a strikeout. Fair.
1: Only problem, Jr. that ball in the press box almost hit me. There are some
0: things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
1: AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze.
4: Fasten your seatbelt. Give me fuel, give me
7: fire, give me that which I
4: desire. Here comes
3: Parker's top three MLB teams this week. Number three. The
1: New York Yankees. They were rolling until they went up to Boston this past weekend and laid an egg, losing three out of four. And the Yankees starting pitching just all over the place. Five or more runs in nine uh, straight games. So uh, that was just uh, pretty bad. They do, I'll give them credit, despite everything that's going on this year, the Yankees still have the fewest losses in baseball. They don't have the most wins. They have the fewest losses as of Tuesday. So the Yankees this past week were 5-5. Five and five. They are the third best team in baseball.
3: Number two.
1: The Los Angeles Dodgers. They continue to pile up the wins. They do have some issues. Cody Bellinger, who was, like, on fire in fuego in the first half of the season. But do you know what? Since the All-Star break, at least coming into Tuesday night, Cody only has one home run. So he slowed down to a molasses pace. Dodgers lost a two-game series to the Angels at home. They're just 5-5 five and five in their last ten. The Dodgers are the second best team in baseball. Number one. The Houston Astros. I know they've had some bumps in the road along the way, but of late, they are rolling. They've won eight of their last ten games. And the other part on why you should be very afraid is that the Astros are in the hunt as we move forward to the uh, MLB trading deadline, which, of course, is today, Wednesday, at 4 p.m. Eastern. Supposedly, they're in the mix for a big-time starter. So by the time you hear this podcast, they could have bolstered their starting rotation and make themselves even tougher. So right now, the Astros... Are the best team in baseball.
7: Take out the papers in the trash!
3: It's time for Trash Talk Twitter. Twitter, Twitter. Your chance to trash anyone or anything in Major League Baseball.
1: This week's winner is Nate, at Nate Sarnze. He tweets this The Pirates' absolute collapse in the second half from contender to basement dweller. The Mets swept them and became buyers. Look out, Miami and Baltimore. We're coming for the number one overall draft pick. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, if you want a chance to trash anyone, anything in the world of sports, and if you want a chance to win a new era snapback just like Nate, send your trash to at Rob Parker FS1 on Twitter.
3: When Rob was a newspaper columnist, he lived by this motto. If I'm writing, I'm ripping. Let's bring in a writer or broadcaster, old or new.
1: All right, let's welcome to the podcast Ken Davidoff, baseball columnist for the New York Post, a damn good one too. And my CWPF, and Ken, that stands for a close, warm, personal friend. What's happening?
8: I'm doing great, Rob. How are you?
1: All right. Well, we this is going to be different this year. We've already seen this. The baseball uh, trade deadline is on the 31st, 4 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday. And, you know, this is it for teams. There's no other uh, options to pick up players to bolster their teams after this. So I just want to start with the Mets, who made a surprising move, crazy move. Uh, I don't know how else to categorize it, but they get Marcus Stroman from the Blue Jays. How shocking was that?
8: Very, very surprising, Rob. Uh, Very curious, uh, very odd. This is a team that's uh, middling uh, on the periphery of the playoff race, and they give up two of their better pitching prospects uh, for a guy who's under team control only through next year. It's very hard to envision the Mets uh, making a, a World Series run uh, this year or next year and then Marcus Sterling becomes a free agent after that
1: and you know there's been talk that the Mets are, are going to trade uh, other pitchers so th- how does this impact Noah Syndergaard you know what I mean like and, and what's going on and, and also uh, Wheeler right as well H- how does this impact them
8: yeah, well, it is, it's fascinating in the sense that they got the guy who everyone knew was going to get traded. Most of these starting pitchers are kind of on the bubble because they're pitching for teams that are on the bubble. The Blue Jays are clearly out of it, so uh, they knew everyone knew Stroman was going to get traded. So now the Mets get him. Now the Mets have more leverage in the uh, in their discussions as they contemplate. Moving wheel or, or guard and they've already moved uh, Jason Vargas in the Phillies. Uh,
1: it's it's amazing what's going on. All right, two teams I want to get to, and do we expect them to make moves? I'm expecting a busy trade deadline because there's only you know one opportunity. But we all know the Yankees need another starter, and the Dodgers need a reliever or bullpen help. You expect both of these teams to make deals on uh, by the thirty first.
8: I do, Rob. I, I think for the Yankees and the starter, it's just it's bleak. Uh, you're just talking about the obvious targets. Uh, even The Mets guys, even the Mets are not going to give those pitchers all across the bridge to the Yankees. And then when you talk about uh, guys like Trevor Bauer, Madison Bumgarner, these are our pitchers that uh, more likely than not will, will not be traded because their teams are uh, – the Indians are very much at the race. They're the head wild card in the American League, and and not too far behind the Twins and the Giants are on the periphery of the wild card race, and uh, they have a manager who's retiring and Bruce Bochy and a fan base that I think largely would like to see them go for it. So uh, you know that leaves the Yankees uh, with very few options. I think they'll. They'll figure out something. It could be the, the pitching equivalent of uh, Luke Voit last year, a guy under the radar who and they hope they can turn into an asset. Uh, but this is not uh, the the optimal uh, July to you're looking for starting pitching.
1: What about the Rays? They they feel like they have a shot as well, obviously, uh, and went out and made uh, a few trades.
8: Did you, did you like what yeah, they did? Yeah. Sure. You know, what's interesting about the Rays is uh, they you know, they've fallen on hard times this month, uh, fallen well behind the Yankees. But uh, their schedule is very inviting. You know, the American League has so many terrible teams that you know the Rays can feast on those teams. Uh, they just uh, finished with the Blue Jays this weekend and and, and won that series. Uh, so they uh, they can go for it. And look, it's it's going to be hard for the Rays to advance. Uh, beyond uh, the, the division series, but uh, they might as well uh, try. They have enough talent. They're not going to blow up their farm system or anything like that. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they, uh, they look for a couple more saves get a few more bats or maybe even uh, uh, a low-end starting pitcher.
1: Ken, before the season started, who did you pick uh, to make the World Series? And uh, I'd love to hear that. And who do you have now as we uh, start to head almost into August?
8: Uh, Before the season, Rob, I picked the New York Yankees and the Washington Nationals to make the World Series, and uh, I never changed my picks. I I own them. I wear them. uh, I am proud of them. So I I have no choice but to stick with those picks, and and I think I could be doing far worse, to be frank with you.
1: I'm with you. I picked the Phillies and the Yankees, and I'm the same way. I I never changed my pick. Uh, But his name is Ken Davidoff. A fine baseball columnist for the New York Post. Hey, Ken, we appreciate you so much. Thanks for joining the podcast.
8: You're the best, Rob. I follow you to the end of the earth.
3: My man. Now bring in the closer. Here's why MLB is better than the NFL or NBA, and it isn't even close.
1: Hall of Famer Ken Griffey Jr. is the perfect. Person to tell you this week why baseball is better than the NBA, better than the NFL, any day, any week. You know why? You don't have to have an NFL player's body. You don't have to be have an NBA body. You don't have to be a certain height, certain weight, have a certain strength. Anybody can play baseball if you're a kid so you can aspire to be a Major League Baseball player Tell them, Junior.
4: Why is baseball cool? That's a very simple question. Because it's the best game. You know, because it doesn't matter how big you are, how small you are. What counts is right here. You see all kinds of shapes and sizes everywhere you look. But right here, that's what means everything.
1: In the words of New York TV legend, the late Bill Jorgensen, thanking you for your time this time until next time. Rob Parker,
3: out. He can't get it. This could be an inside to Parker.
1: See you
6: next week. Same bad time, same bad station.
4: 18 plus.